Hey everyone, welcome to Locked on Lakers for Monday. Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky. It was a very busy day at Staples Center. The Lakers get their eighth win of the season, 114-106. Anthony Davis blows up for 34 points. Talon Horton Tucker returns to the lineup and the Lakers barely play any of their bigs. Plenty to talk about, plus the return of Alex Caruso to Staples Center. All of that next on Locked on Lakers. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you to everybody for making Locked On Lakers your first listen of every day, Monday through Friday. We get this thing up for you bright and early. And, uh, you know, if you subscribe to the Locked On Lakers YouTube channel, uh, you get the podcast generally, especially on, you know, games where they play in the day or uh, they don't play at all, we post that thing and try to get up a little early for you so you don't have to wait until the next day for this day's podcast. Um, Sunday, Andy, it was it was a strange thing to see the Lakers uh, finished with their game at halftime of the 1 p.m. kickoffs around the NFL, um, but they packed a lot, a lot into that game. Um, from Anthony Davis to a very new starting lineup to the return of THT to news that LeBron James is very close to a return. Um, all of that happening on Sunday afternoon. So where do you want to start? You know, you know, just a, a dominant game first, if nothing else, from Anthony Davis. I mean, he was amazing. Yeah, he, he really did a great job uh, working inside. He really took advantage of the fact that San Antonio – with Jakob Pertl out, they really have no size to speak of whatsoever. They're basically playing Devin Eubanks and Thad Young as really, really undersized centers. Yeah, at least, I mean, Eubanks is at least tall. Thad Young is their best center. Like, yeah, but I'm mean, saying something. Thad Young is an undersized fella. So Sure, but yeah. I mean, you know, Eubanks is 6'9". I mean, the bottom line is they don't have really any real centers at that point, and this was a this was a good game for them to look to work uh, a more committed smaller lineup. You know, Frank Vogel beyond going with AD at the five and starting THT in place of Kent Bazemore, who didn't play at all. He went with Mello at the four, and this was something that Vogel said before the game. Like once LeBron is back, uh, Mello is going to go back to the bench. But he also said that the time had come to give this a look, mm-hmm. which basically was him acknowledging. None of the big lineups or really even trying to have that best of both worlds that Vogel likes with Mello coming off the bench and that shot of energy, like all that stuff. It's like at some point you got to stop screwing around a bit and, you, and sometimes you have to fire all your bullets early. And that seemed like something Vogel was looking to do with this game. Yeah. And it's, you know, in, 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 there's the return of THT and the impact on the starting lineup and the choices that he made both in that lineup and on the bench. Um, were were significant here, and I, but I also thought you you kind of mentioned it like AD taking advantage of the the size mismatches and knowing that there wasn't anybody there who was going to keep he he I think yeah nineteen points in the first half and like all but a couple you know he had a couple threes with the first time his, he's had I was going to say his first, game. yeah his first time he's done it since uh, either. The playoffs, he had one game against Phoenix where he had multiple threes. Otherwise, you have to go back to May of last season in the regular season to have that take place. I mean, AD right. has not shot well from behind the arc at all. At all. 
And but this is, other than those two, it was dunk after dunk after lob. I mean, AD throwing himself balls off the backboard yes. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, that was sweet. He got stuck uh, in the post with nowhere really to go and had already picked up his dribble. So he basically said, screw it, threw the thing against the backboard uh, Kobe style and set himself right. up with a dunk. And it was it was just good to see. I mean, he's been much better about it this year, I think. Um, and, you know, but the the... The, the tendency, the, the fear, the worry is always in the back of everybody's mind. Like, oh, he's going to settle. He likes the mid-range game. Because, like, you know, the, those 20-foot jumpers are very effective for him. But he did not screw around on Sunday. They, the Lakers consistently fed him. San Antonio had zero answer for LA's uh, screen and roll game, which a lot of it went, went through THT, um, which was interesting to see. Malik Monk had a couple really good yeah. moments uh, on the screen. They just, and they just kept doing the things offensively that worked. And, you know, Davis, uh, you know, San Antonio, not a great team, four and nine after Sunday's loss. But I still say without LeBron James in the lineup and with all the guys that they're missing, every win is a good win. I don't, you know, I don't care if it's against a good team or a bad team. Um, 34 points from your superstar, 15 rebounds, six assists. That's the kind of game they needed. And meanwhile, you know, Westbrook, a very controlled 14 points, 11 rebounds, seven assists. He only took 11 shots. He turned the ball over seven times. That's still an issue. But it wasn't, he wasn't overdoing it. Um, I, I didn't think on Sunday. It was just, it, it was, it was a nice game to just watch Davis not screw around and go be a superstar. Yeah. I mean, it, it's interesting because they really crapped the bed on Friday. One of the worst games in the LeBron AD era, period. And AD was mad yes. after that game. Like Davis, was, I mean, there were guys who looked annoyed afterwards. Like Westbrook did his whole, I'm ignoring you, you know, while I check my text messages during the press conference right. bullshit. AD was outwardly pissed off. Mm -hmm. And he said multiple times, this is unacceptable. Like what we did against Minnesota was absolutely. If you missed the game, it was it was you know the Lakers have been bad in third quarters all all season long. Um, they didn't actually have that problem on Sunday, but they they played a catastrophically bad yeah. third quarter against Minnesota and gave that game away. And, and one thing that I will say that I really like about Anthony Davis, and this I think has been really consistent since since he's been part of this team. For all of the times where, you know, you had alluded to it earlier, Brian, sometimes you get frustrated by that tendency to float on the perimeter or you wonder whether or not he will always be as aggressive as you want from not just a superstar of his talent, but somebody who's supposed to be the bridge from whenever LeBron is done to, you know, whatever comes after Anthony Davis, but he's clearly going to be that guy. One thing AD's really consistent about is when he's pissed off about the results uh, of a game or pissed off about the way he played, he generally backs up the way he talks about being pissed off. Like yeah. he generally comes out and I think has a really good mindset. We saw it in the playoffs, you know, in the yeah. in the bubble playoffs. Like, you know, he he set a standard for himself um and and went out and did it, but I I just think accountability in general is something that he's good with. Um he is not a star who deflects blame who deflects criticism who who does all this stuff and it doesn't always manifest itself in its in in his play but i mean look i mean we we talked before the season about how anthony davis could be just set up for a monster year 
Um, and that ultimately, you know, statistically speaking, at least he could be the most dominant of the big three. And, you know, I know the Lakers have had a disappointing start. Eight and six through 14 games is not where most of most people would want them to be. The injuries have been a real problem. Um, you know, they this has been the easier part of their schedule with, you know, where they play still only played three road games. Right. Um, yeah, I believe so. Right. And so, like, it's going to get harder from here, but you can't like the problem is not Anthony Davis. He has played very well overall through these 14 games. And I think, you know, the level of accountability to, you know, that he's given himself um, to try to carry the the team to, tra- you know, going back to training camp, you know, which I think you mentioned on, on Friday show, he was like the only star who really seemed to take it seriously. Um, and it shows. I, 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 you, you can have a lot of criticisms of the Lakers, but I think anybody who's disappointed with what Davis has done to this point this year is probably not setting a fair standard for him. Um, meantime, though, Taylor Horton Tucker, part of this starting lineup, um, brought Oof. on a lot of changes. Like uh, I believe we mentioned Ken Bazemore did not play at all. And this was, you know, for fans and I would say even the Lakers themselves, you know, looking for some type of injection of new talent, new skill set, new energy, and frankly, new hope in terms of, you know, just, okay, can we finally just get this thing together consistently moving in the right direction mm-hmm. i thought tht hit that presence it, it, 17 points yes. for for tht on sunday as you pointed out on twitter that's two more than kent Bazemore has in november there yep. are a ton of impacts from tht from the way he played to the impact he had on the lineup to what it might mean for the lineup going forward let's talk about all of those things next Locked on Lakers brought to you by Prize Picks. Hey, NBA fanatics, have you heard about Prize Picks? Daily fantasy made easy. Prize Picks has the best NBA DFS prop game on the market, more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator. They offer all superstar players as well as bench players only recording a handful of minutes each game. Everybody that deposits and uses the promo code NBA receives a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks. That is a great deal. You pick Two to five players and an over-under in their projections. You can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you and those projected numbers. Plus, you can do mixed sport entries like LeBron and whatever category you want, along with Lamar Jackson and whatever category you want. Awesome, awesome fun. That's basketball you, and football for people, you know, kind of. Yeah, out. well, I, you know what? Honestly, if you don't know who Lamar Jackson is. You really shouldn't is, be I, on prize picks. Yeah. Well, I, I, well <laughs> if nothing else, you should not be doing these mixed sport parlays. Like, I mean, that, that's a sucker's bet right there. I mean, have I don't know all who Lamar, par- Lamar Jackson is, but I like the look of that bet. I'm doing it. Yeah, I mean, have all the parlay fun that you want, but I mean, like, at least at least do enough research to know who you're betting on. That's that true. would be, if I, if I could offer you a little bit of gambling advice, know who it is that you're you're placing uh, the parlay bet on. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. PrizePix is always safe. Offer fast withdrawal, so don't hesitate. Check out prizepix.com. Use the promo code NBA or go to the App Store. Today, PrizePix, daily fantasy made easy. 
Hey, Andy, does this sound familiar? This is the rhetorical part. Don't answer. You've got one device that lets you catch the game live. Another lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone. You've got your neighbor's best friend's login for all the good stuff. I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment that you love without the hassle. And it's a great way to finally get your TV together. Now, does this sound familiar? Yes. Yes, Okay, good. It's called Direct TV Stream, Andy, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports and movies and shows all in one place. No more juggling remote. No need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. Learn more about it at DirecTV.com. That's DirecTV.com. A compatible device is required and content varies by package. Uh, Let's talk about THD first, just how he looked. Like, what did you think about the way he played? You know, he came out, hit his first three and then missed the next four. Um, but he had two huge buckets for the Lakers in the fourth quarter um, when it looked like the offense was going to dry up. And man alive, that team looked a lot different with him on the floor than it has to this point. They're just There's a dyna- uh, dynamic factor that he brings to this team that very few people on it can replicate. I mean, obviously LeBron, when he's back, can do it. Anthony Davis can do it. Russ certain things Malik Monk can do. But when you start getting into guys, you know, who have that combination of skill set and length and strength, like THT is a really strong guy. Mm-hmm. They're just, and just that energy, like, you know, there's so much talk about how this is an older team and THT is the youngest guy period. You know, I was going to say much less who matters, but then I realized it doesn't matter. No, it's he, like, just, right. And by any, well, Mexican I was thinking like, well, Austin, no, he's younger than Austin Reeves. Um, yeah, by a lot. <laughs> it's not even close. Just the difference in just energy and, again, the word that kept popping to mind while watching this game was just dynamic with mm-hmm. THT. And just the thing – you and I were texting back and forth, Brian, and I said like in, in some respects, and obviously we're going to get into what happens when LeBron is back and, you know, THT potentially staying in the uh, starting lineup. Frank Vogel didn't commit to it. THT said the standard. Yeah, I know, really. Uh, I'm I'm shocked that he's committed to the idea that, you know, when LeBron comes back, he'll start. Um, But, like, THT can do certain things that, like, replicate a lower middle class LeBron. You know what I mean? Like, in terms of... Being able to get to the rim, he doesn't do it as well with as much control, with as many options as LeBron, but he can do it. He can make plays off these drives. Again, doesn't do it as well as LeBron, but he can do it. You know, when he when he gets to the rim at full steam, is it the same thing as LeBron at full steam? No, but no, it's pretty really effective good. for a twenty year old. He's an awfully effective finisher at the yes, rim. Which we, again, we saw with two very difficult finishes in the fourth quarter. His ability to twist while using his own body to shield himself is incredibly precocious. That's what ha- it's what help, helps when you got, you know, 75 foot long arms. Yeah. You know, but, I mean you you can do those things that don't seem I just I you know the, but the, like the point said, though I was going to make really quickly oh, is yeah, just, go ahead. The, just that he can he can do certain things that function as sort of like a lower middle class LeBron. The things that you're looking for from Kent Bazemore as sort of a jack of all trades particularly without LeBron there, he's almost like a lower middle-class THT. Yeah, and, you know and then I'm there's the even, things I'm he not can't sure, but do I don't, at all. I, I, not to, I don't even know if jack-of-all-trades is exactly what you're looking for for Bazemore. I think, that, I think you get into the worst 
tendencies of Bazemore when you try to allow him to be a jack of all trades. I think he's supposed to be good at two things. Shooting three-pointers and defending. Okay. And I, I, I don't, I mean, I agree with you that when you ask him to do all that other stuff, he looks like a very poor man's THT. But I think the difference between THT and Bazemore, and Bazemore, uh, I'm sorry, THT, I thought played a, a very solid game defensively. You could see him, you know, the length getting his hands on balls, took a couple charges yeah. and and all that kind of stuff. Yes. Um, you know, he, he is, he, he's someone who, when he's playing well, if he plays defense, and like every guy on the roster, it seems like Andy has this sort of caveat. If they do the two or three things that kind of and can, and all at once, then that guy's going to play. It just the impact on the offense was, I thought, pretty profound. And the diff, the, the question becomes: When LeBron is there, are you better off with THD starting, or are you better off with him anchoring more of you know being a, a bigger part of the second unit, or? Quite frankly, you can do both. You can have him start and stagger your lineups and, and make it so he still plays significant amounts of time. What I thought was fascinating, and I'd love to get your opinion on it, was sort of the downstream impacts that THT had. And, you know, to, I think, another extent, Malik Monk, who played a, a strong game attacking the basket. Monk's been in a good groove lately. Yeah. Because all of a sudden, when you have two guys who are doing that, Wayne Ellington looks a whole lot more effective. And, you know, it makes, a, you know, so these little ecosystems that get built with all of these tiny lineup combinations and tweaks that Vogel can make, they're all their own little, like I said, little, like, like little ecosystems. And it, it's not even always going to be about which guy is objectively better than the other, but the way that one impacts another, which impacts another, and the way that Monk and THT and their ability to go downhill constantly, which was what happened on um, on Sunday, and then Monk hitting a couple outside shots as well, that changes the calculus on somebody like Bazemore if those other guys are good enough defensively. It's, it's a really fascinating set of choices that are being put in front of uh, Vogel, and we haven't even mentioned Kendrick Nunn because he hasn't been out there yet. Well, I mean, this team was ultimately for all of the shooting that they brought in during the offseason, and that was something that they clearly went out of their way to look to address. Mm-hmm. This is still a team that they've said many, many times wants to get out and transition, they want to go downhill, they want to put pressure on the rim. And the more guys you have who can do that, and THT is absolutely one of those guys, the the more the offense is going to work the way that it's actually supposed to. Like the, yes. mo- the more you allow Wayne Ellington to do nothing other than just slither around the arc looking for that open spot where someone's going to be able to find him as opposed to occasionally. Which is super, by the way, low-key, really fun to watch. Like, yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. Just watch Wayne. I mean, it's it's a fun thing I recommend people do. Um, with basketball, especially if you're watching at home and you can DVR it and rewind it whenever you're not going to miss anything. Take like five possessions in a row and either just watch LeBron, watch AD, just watch one guy go around and whatever. Low-key fun in that thing is watching Wayne Ellington do his thing and find all the open spots on the on the floor. But I think it was uh it might it was either Kyle Goon or Yovan, uh Kyle Goon with the Southern California News Group, Yovan Buha at the Athletic who pointed out that they set Bay's uh Ellington up. He hit five threes, I think, on Sunday. He did four of which one of them was a corner and four of which were in the same spot. The other four in that right quadrant, I think uh, Kyle called. I think it was Kyle. 
like that's that's all by design that's like him figuring out how to get into that spot i mean it's all of this stuff it's all interrelated and they were able to find ways to get to the rim in the half court that had been better um than they had been before and just i THC makes a big difference. That skill well, set I mean, makes a if, big difference. Here's the thing, though. The more guys you have that are actually capable of setting up those plays, the less you're actually going to ask somebody like Wayne Ellington mm-hmm. to be a part of that because there or have been time. Kent Bazemore. Right. Exactly. A- exactly. Like Because you do the, not want him putting the ball on the floor. Or, you know, I mean, exactly. You don't – or the less, the less you have to keep Rajon Rondo on the floor with, you know, some of the liabilities that, that come with having him out there. I, th- I think – all, all things being equal over the course of the regular season. I think Rondo's been fine. Yeah. But with but with Rondo, though, there is that element of less is more. With, you know, with Avery Bradley, there are, there are going to be games, uh, and Bradley only played 23 minutes in this one, there are going to be games where if, if he's not really matched up well for a particular assignment, you know, his, his shot's always going to come and go. Like, he's, he's never been a really consistent outside shooter. He's not a great playmaker you know what i mean no. like he's really and more I'm, and of I'm a shooting not, guard I'm, not, I'm still not convinced he's a, a great defender either he's well, a, I think if vogel likes him he do, he does he does a couple things defensively very well he is a very very good pressure defender he you know he's good at a certain things you know a certain few skill sets you know i mean and obviously guys you know guys around the league have talked about you know what Bradley does well and you know we've talked about this before the difference between defensive numbers eye test finding something in the middle but the point being though like you become less dependent on keeping somebody like Bradley who i think on most teams would be like a, a ninth man as opposed to having at times in this season the importance of a fifth or sixth man mm-hmm. so you know all and that comes with not asking guys to do things out really outside of their skill set. And, you know, it's, it's really beneficial having THT there. I think just because it allows this team to become that much closer to operating in the way it envisions itself. And it'll be, you know, look, the, my position, your position, it's like the Lakers can play more of their best players when they go small. I think there's, there's no question. (laughs) There are some downsides, you know, San Antonio, was you know for, for a lot of the game uh pretty good offensively uh you know Dejounte Murray did what point guards do against the Lakers which is destroy them. Him. Uh, another triple double he has two this year both against the Lakers um and you know they they got some stops when they needed it uh the Lakers did but it was not an overwhelming defensive performance they had a little bit of trouble um on the boards despite the fact that San Antonio was a very little bunch of folks um, so like, look, I mean, it's not perfect. Um, but I, I, I do feel like the tea leaves because Frank Vogel has said, I don't want to do the thing where I ping pong back around with lineups. I don't want to play the matchup game with my centers and all that kind of stuff. I, I, I do feel like the tea leaves are pointing towards something where they, they, with some exception against certain teams and certain players end up going small more often than not. Um, you know, Dwight will typically play more, I think, than the 10 minutes. You know, they'll they'll have backup centers on the floor for more than 10 minutes in most games. But I think, the, to me at least, it seems like this is where <laughs> San Antonio games. doesn't really even have a center right now, much right, let backup. alone two, right? <laughs> you know, um, it feels like this is sort of the direction that things are tilting. 
based on his previous comments about wanting some consistency, but we will have to see. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> I've said it many times. Frank Vogel has an inclination that I think is very hard for him to fight. I also think he has seen uh, a lot that would make him uh, come to Jesus, so to speak, yeah. in a basketball kind of way. It, it just it was it was it was fun to see. It, when, you know, you you put this you know this thing together, and you get you know Tht back in the lineup, and you have Monk playing the way he did, um, you know, on on uh, Sunday, and you can start to see, and, you know, yeah, there's still got a lot of guys to fit well, in. Uh, really, um, quick, people are going to get um, squeezed. Yeah, go yeah, and mean, then we'll get to, are- to AC. Yeah, people are going to get squeezed. Just wanted to clarify some stuff that Frank Vogel said with LeBron. Um, it was interesting because THT had not actually had a a full practice mm-hmm. before coming back. He had done like a lot of three-on-three, four-on-four, and, and I got the sense that they va- basically just said, he's healthy. We're not going to get an opportunity to do this perfectly. Let's just get him in the game. Like we really need yeah, him I mean, out the Lakers there. We, can't practice. Like they're not right, practicing on Monday. They won't practice on Tuesday because right, they we, played a back to back. Like when we are feel, practice? yeah, we feel confident he's healthy. We feel confident he's conditioned enough. We got we got to pull the ripcord at some point, mm-hmm. which does allow for the possibility of LeBron returning without that full practice. Which Frank Vogel actually said that he didn't know if it would necessarily be a requirement. For LeBron to get that, and I'm sure a lot of this will be, you know, LeBron saying, I'm ready. You know, if LeBron says, I'm ready, I'm ready. I imagine. Ready, right. right. Um, but just so people know, when you when you take a look at the schedule and it's seeming really difficult for them to get in that full practice, the way Frank Vogel laid it out, you know, he said LeBron is truly day-to-day, but he also made it sound like that wouldn't necessarily be a deterrent, which obviously is great news. Right. I, I will he play Monday? I would maybe I not, but like don't here's think the he's thing. Going to. The biggest thing isn't whether he plays Monday or Wednesday or is it Thursday or Friday, whatever it is, you know, as they start this road trip. It's that he, you know, one to two weeks, two weeks ish. Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. Yeah. Two weeks ish, which was sort of the original timeline. One looks like that's what it's going to be. And that's the <laughs> important thing. Um yeah. so uh, good news on that front for the Lakers. Very interesting return to Staples Center on Monday. The soaring eagle of freedom, that is Alex Caruso, returns uh, a a uh, an exit that was controversial locally, has gotten more so. We'll talk about it next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Built Bar. I love Thanksgiving. I love all the food that comes with it and the encouragement to eat all of said food that you want. But you got to do this smart and you got to offset that decadence with something that makes sense, which makes it a perfect time for Built Bar, the new holiday dessert. You can eat it and actually feel good about it. Like, you know, one slice of pie on average, 300 calories. And that's before you add all of the other stuff that everybody normally puts on it. It's Built Bar is the- not a pie, slice of pie for me, but go on. Well, I mean, it's like a slice of, I don't know, rhubarb or some type of vegetable I'm, I'm, pie. I want to, I'm, I'm going, yeah, my, well, my pie is not that. Anyway, okay, well, carry on. This is, carry yeah, on. I mean, I your pie is like, off, yeah. Se- yeah, 700, 800 calories, right. whatever. Built Bars, though, only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar. They are low calorie. They're low carb. They're low fat. They're high protein covered in 100% chocolate. You can share some of the fa- family gatherings like Thanksgiving. Make it less awkward if your family is like a lot of the ones out there. And you guys can bond over the impending Built Bar Black Friday. Mark your calendar. Black Friday is going to be a huge event with a lot of surprises. I don't even know what they are, and I'm shilling for the company. So go to mm-hmm. Built.com. I'm excited to learn. 
Use the promo code LOCK15. You get 15% off your first order. Again, promo code LOCK15, 15% off at Built.com. Um, so it's an, it was interesting that that Caruso, to me, is coming back on, on Monday. Right after on, THT made his return. Right after THT comes back mm-hmm. and you start to see, okay, what it looks like with Malik Monk and what it like, and look, and Kent Bazemore can't get off the bench. And Wayne Ellington, you know, played a bunch of minutes and, you know, Kendrick Nunn's not back yet. So like what happens when he comes back and like, what about Austin Reeves? Like who's earned some playing time. And there are a lot of, like the Lakers have too many dudes back there still. Like it's not like it's any, it gets any easier. And you know, Caruso wouldn't be a 35 minute a night guy. And even with, without him, like, you know, the defense we talked about on Friday's show, Andy third quarter against Minnesota, notwithstanding has steadily improved despite missing all of these players that they have, like the signs of total disaster that we had in the first week or two of the season defensively are, 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 are coming around a little bit. So if you're a person who is on the side of Caruso, isn't that big a loss? Stop talking about him. It's not that big a deal. Um, I guess there's something there for you. Uh, meanwhile, if you were on the side of, yeah, they're going to miss it. And like, you know, it's important that he's gone, not insurmountable, but really important. You're watching how he's playing in, in Chicago, the impact he's having on that team and that defense, um, leading the league in steals per game, despite playing like what 25 minutes a night or something there's something here for you too um there's a lot here for everyone and even more so after he appeared on jj reddick's podcast and made it very clear through uh blinking uh when asked by jj reddick to uh go over under a number that the lakers while uh rob palinka says they were aggressive in quote fingers trying to keep him uh, the not everyone defines aggressive in the same way. The Lakers essentially lowballed AC to a number that they knew he wasn't going to take. Well, JJ Redick uh, threw out the number two years, fifteen million, asking to blink once if it was under, under, twice if it was over. And Alex Caruso did the most uh, yeah. distinctive and purposeful one blink I have ever seen a man do in my life. He kept his lids shut for like a good two seconds just to make sure there was yeah. absolutely no ambiguity about what that blink represented. And look, two years, 15 mil is, it's not just lowballing Caruso. That's making it clear we're really not that interested in re-signing you. It's, it's similar to what the Lakers did when they were negotiating with Ty Lu, and they made him an offer for him to turn it down. And when you're doing something like that, honestly, I think in terms of optics, relationships, and frankly, just not either pissing off members of the team, you know, in the case of Ty Lue, LeBron, or Mm -hmm. pissing off fans, you're better off just going in a different direction as opposed to, because this stuff always gets out, as opposed to making it clear, yeah, or making, eventually coming out. Oh, yeah, we were aggressive. We tried to keep him. No, no, you weren't. No, I mean, that's, that's, it's fine. That's way, that's, yeah. It's below market value in terms of years, in terms of dollars, and also in terms of what he meant to your organization as a key part of a championship run, but also to a guy that you you actually fostered his development. Like he's he's, you know, especially after going through the period with the kids and then all the kids eventually getting traded, like literally everybody other than Kuzma and I guess Caruso 
getting traded to pave the way for AD, which obviously defensible, but like, you know, you're, you were down. Yeah, at they, that they already won that deal. Right. But you were already at that point down to Kuzma, who had always felt like at some point was going to get moved. If not when. Caruso. Or when, not if. Right. right. Caruso and THT. And that's why I said earlier, I think it's really interesting that, and kind of apropos, that Caruso is coming back right on the heels of THT's return because the organization allowed for the perception, if not just allowed for the reality, that it came down to a choice between Alex Caruso or Taylor Horton Tucker, purely finances, and they chose THT. Even if, even if you can, and I think you certainly can, defend the basketball merits of THT, he certainly has more upside than right, Alex If you can only pick one, then it, there's a case to be made for choosing THT. There is a case, but there's also a case to be made for Alex Caruso. And either way, they allowed themselves to be seen as you know making ultimately a financial choice, one or the other between the two. And for a lot of reasons, well, that's, well, that that's in and of itself. That's because con- that's what they did. They did right. make a minute. It, sure. But, 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 here's a, but for a lot of reasons, though, that's controversial. Like, it, well, it is. And the, the the larger question becomes: How much does it is it going to matter? And I think this is this is truly one of those situations where things multiple things can be true at once. Losing Alex Caruso is not going to net autumn. It does, bag, bag it. They're not going to win a title. Obviously not. They can't have a good defense. Well, they they certainly could. Um, they but the, there is no ob- objective way to say that they are a better team for not bringing him back and. You know, the, the question becomes, should, you know, as a fan, certainly, I don't think you care if there's, it's not, you know, the Lakers print money, but as we talk about, the owners aren't hedge fund people. Right. They're, they're not like, their income, Right. They, they come, their income comes from the team. An extra $30 million matters to them. I think where, where, where the conversation becomes really interesting is going to be questions like, okay, what if they had kept Caruso and not spent their mid-level? Right. You know, spend eight or nine million on on AC and mitigate that by not signing Kendrick Nunn. You know, and you sign one extra minimum guy or something like that. Th- there are there are multiple ways that this could have gone, and for all and what we're learning with like they they signed Kent Bazemore in a lot of reasons because I think they thought they could cheaply get what they weren't get with what they were missing with AC on the defensive side. And I, a, that's not, that's not true. They're not getting it, but also too, it's also becomes irrelevant if Bazemore can't stay on the floor. Um, if, if he's played off the floor by other people, um, it, it, it's, this is just one of those questions that's going to hang over the team with the turnover that they have and all this other stuff. And the other thing I think that that is very underrated about this is one of the most common refrains with the Lakers is that, oh, don't worry about it. The team now isn't going to be what the team looks like after the deadline. Often they're talking about the buyout market, which may or may not have impactful people on it. I'm sure they'll sign someone. They always do. 
But oftentimes they're talking about trades. And if you're talking about trades, the Lakers have very little flexibility in who they can trade <laughs> and what they because can because they do. didn't sign Alex Caruso. Correct. Because they yeah. don't have anybody. They have, they have their superstars. They have THT making what he makes. They have Kendrick Nunn at about $5 million, And everybody else is on a minimum. And trying to improve your team, trading those salaries with those things available to you is really hard. So from a trade flexibility standpoint, they'd have been best off bringing THT back and Caruso back and using their mid-level, which by the way, which is the assumption that I made when, when they let when they, when they made the Westbrook trade, it's like, well, you have to bring back those guys. Back. Oh, I, I thought for sure they were. Absolutely. I was stunned that they did not bring back Caruso. 100%. I was completely stunned. Particularly and, after the Westbrook deal. I was stunned. Yeah. And I mean, I just, you know, the get over it crowd needs to understand, like Caruso has a material impact on the defense um, that we're seeing, we saw in LA, that we're seeing in Chicago. Um, and by the way, he's playing a lot more assertiveness over there offensively and doing some things that, you know, quite frankly, he wasn't doing here. Um, it, it is a fascinating, well, uh, like kind of case study in players who are not superstars, but are obviously and demonstrably important and sort of how you have to run a team. And I, I, I don't know if there's a, a right or wrong answer in like concrete terms, I had kept him. I think there's a righter answer than right. Um, the writer answer to me is you keep him. It's also one that pays less attention and is less sympathetic to their financial considerations well, I, than they obviously are. No, I I get that, and and you know I've said before, like the the idea that the Lakers completely cheaped out during this offseason, I think is inaccurate just because once you start going $40, 40 million dollars into the tax, right? I, I, as much as, you know, it ain't my money and I'm not, and I want to make it clear. I'm not trying to take up for this in a sympathetic way. I don't care if they spend in a way that's uncomfortable for them. Go do it. I don't give I a prefer they my, would. Yeah. No, no. My point is simply that objectively speaking, I don't think that's accurate to say that 40 something million into the luxury tax is spending nothing. That's portraying them like you know, uh, like a Phoenix Suns or, you know, like a team that is always... Right, the Boston, the, the Chicago Bulls, I was listening to Bob right. Temps and, and Winhorst and and McManaman argue about it. The Chicago Bulls also print money in a gigantic market and they won't even go into the tax. Right. So, I mean, I, I want to point that out. That being said, though, one of the things that makes this, I think, uh, butts up against, I think, the logic they'd throw, it out, they'd throw out in terms of you know, offsetting Caruso's absence is for the 80 billion guards that they signed this offseason, none of them really do what Caruso specialized in or even come close to it. The other thing too, though, and again, there's a lot of time for this to play out, not just this season, but really over the course of however long he's with the Lakers. But that perception that I said earlier, where it's a choice between THT and Alex Caruso, it is very easy, potentially accurate, but if nothing else, very easy for Laker fans to look at this and think that at some point the tie was broken by THT being a clutch rep, a clutch guy. Hmm. And, you know, it being clear, like, look, you want to resign them both, have at it. If you're only going to keep one, uh, we would strongly prefer that Talon stay in Los Angeles. And I want to make it clear, I'm not saying that that's what happened because I don't know that's what happened. But if you're telling me that something along those lines did happen, I would not find it slightly unbelievable at all. 
And then finally, uh, Caruso's thank you video. You think it'll be three minutes, five minutes, the entire halftime? Will the game the direct, be postponed? Well, in lieu of just we get the director's cut. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, I mean it, it, it will be fun to like see feature length, right? Regardless of the you know the the controversy or controversy, um, to use the British pronunciation, I love the way that the British will say controversy. Um, they have many good pronunciations, hmm. aluminium being among them. It's it, the the crowd is going to freak out for him, yeah, and rightly so. And it's oh my he god, deserves he, it. He deserves he his money. I'm glad that he ended up in a yeah. compe- like on a team that is competitive. Um, He's a good Chicago dude. playing way better, together. you know. But Chicago playing way better than you know anybody expected and all that. Like it's they're cool kind of Lakers Midwest between all the former Lakers, all the guys who've been linked to the Lakers recently, uh, guys with LA ties, USC oh, yeah, ties. No. You're right. They're they're, they're they're kind of the team that you root for in the Eastern Conference if you're a Laker fan. Um, so it'll be it'll be fascinating to see the conversation around him going forward and whether or not to what degree they it matters that they yeah. let him go. Um, Wait, they win a championship. None of this matters. Nope, it doesn't. And um, yeah, I mean it's a business, and the business and the basketball don't always work in concert with each other, even for a team like the Lakers, which looks. A little bit different than they actually are Look, when you lift up the hood, and that that is this, an important thing. Yeah, we've said um, this before. Anyway. Before we go, they used to at times make cost cutting moves, even when Doctor Bus was yes, in did. charge. So this is not a pure genie thing. This is not a pure. This is what the kids do. This has always happened. Godspeed, carving station. Um, so we will be back uh, on Tuesday with a little of the the wrap up of the of Monday's game against Chicago, which is all of a sudden a very premium game. Uh, thank you again for making us your first listen of every day. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, and we will see everyone tomorrow.